You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This episode number 115, we're discussing our top 10 moments from the first 10 years of the MCU. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Sanjay. And for the third week in a row, you have a different <laughs> duo at the table. It is Sanjay and I this week. Troy, when him and I discussed last week about this episode, he failed to mention that He's going to Disneyland. Now, I did know that, but as we're discussing things for next week, he kind of remembered, oh, I'm going to Disneyland this week. So (laughs) just by the by, (laughs) I did know that, so it's partially my fault, but it's Sanjay and I with you guys this week. And like I said, we're going to be running down our top 10 most favorite moments from the MCU. Now, we only got two weeks, man, two weeks until Avengers Infinity War hits. And this week, we're taking up and discussing a little bit more of the MCU as a whole. We have a few more episodes of the retrospective series to get through. That's probably not going to happen by Infinity War, <laughs> but we'll be pretty close. And then next week's episode, we are going to be doing our prelude to Avengers Infinity War, throwing some predictions on the table, discussing some of the comic book arcs that will factor, or at least we think will factor into this film, and where we think it's going beyond this into Phase 4. But... Until we get to all that MCU talk, we got a little little bit of nerding to get done here. Yeah. It's been an exciting week, a slow week in news. We will get to the very short news section, but Sanjay, I haven't seen you for a couple weeks. <laughs> I gotta know, man, how has your week in nerd been doing? I've been checking out your YouTube shows. Thank you, thank you. Nice plug. Yes, yes, there you go. <laughs> Here's 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, how's your week in nerd been? Yeah, it's been great. Uh, picked up a couple movies. You'll find that in my next video. Of course, I always pick up movies. Comic books, you know the big one tomorrow, Action Comics 1000. 1000. Tim, I got to ask, are you going to pick this up? 100%. Nice, nice. So there's been different covers for different decades of Superman. Yeah. So we got 30, 40, 50, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and I don't think there's a 2010s, but which one are you going to pick up? I mean, what is your Superman? We talked about this a bit when you were away, like your Superman. I said mine was the mullet. With the trunks. <laughs> Who, what is your Superman? Like, what era, when you think of Superman, do you always think of? You know, this is a difficult one because I'm not a huge Superman guy. I've always had difficulty connecting with the character. But I would say, like, the Henry Cavill, is yeah. that look is probably how I picture Superman. But if there's a really cool retro throwback cover, mm-hmm. I'll probably go with that. I have this, this bit of nostalgia for vintage-looking things. Yeah. And if it hits hard, if it looks good... That's the one I'll probably pick up. Going back even, are they doing the throwing car? Like a throwback or I think homage so. to that? Yeah, yeah. I'll probably do that being, I think that's the first issue of Action Comics? Is yes, that, that's yeah. right, yeah. So I'll probably do something like that because it's a throwback to the first issue or the thousandth issue. So it has a little bit of meaning there. But outside of that, I don't have a comic Superman, I don't think. Maybe more of the clean cut. Yeah. I wouldn't say the mullet in particular. Uh, you need the mullet. <laughs> the 90s mullet. No, but I'm super excited about that. Like, yeah. you got to be stoked. Uh, so, so, 1,000 issues. That's insane. I mean, Superman, I've been, like, hit or miss with him. 
But lately, I've been really digging the comics. So I'm super excited. 1000s coming up. It's like an extra sized issue. So nice. And I know you're talking about the uh, retro stuff. Check out the 60s issue. I think that's the one I'm going to get where it's kind of got the panels broken up. And I think there's like an alien and it looks very 60s, nice. like Super Friends-esque. So that that's the one I'm going to go with. Yeah, I'm going to go for the most aesthetically pleasing one. Like when I yeah. look at it, I'm going to completely judge this book by its cover. Nice. Not get. <laughs> it depends too. If they're all the same price, yeah, sure. I'll get the best one. If they're more... I'm going to get the cheapest one. <laughs> no, no, I think they're all the same price. No, you're going to have a lot of collectors going out to get this. Like yeah. we saw with Spider-Man 700, we just zipped through Captain America number 700, dropped last week. Wow. Not same type of celebration you're getting for Spider-Man or Action Comics 1000, of course. But it's nice to see these comics climbing up, climbing up in their numbering sequence. So, okay, so we're at 700 with Captain America. So for it to get to 1,000, that's 300 issues. It's one a month? Yeah, roughly. So that's like, well, that's another 30 years. Yeah, it's a long time. I don't think, well, yeah, we're going to be a long ways before we see something like this, unless they start doing, I'm not sure exactly if they counted the Falcon Captain America series or if they're doing parallel series, if they count those as whole and how they amalgamate those numbers. But we're probably going back to like issue one sometime soon, right? With the Marvel Real. <laughs> More no, likely, yeah. <laughs> we are. So, but yeah, it, it's, I can't wait, man. It's good. I'm hoping, is it a standalone story, do you know? Or is it part of continuity? I imagine it's a standalone story. I mean, the last one left, like it didn't wrap up the story, but I imagine they'll just say, you know what, 1,000, maybe like have the first like 20 pages, the continuation, but then like have a whole bunch of backstories to really celebrate. Just with it being a thousandth issue, a landmark issue, if they have it as, yeah, sure, people are going to come buy this. Let's tell a story that... You don't particularly need to be involved in the current run of Action mm-hmm. Comics or Superman or that story. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. At the end of the day, it's a collector's issue for me. So that's what I'm getting it for. But it'd be nice to, to read a story and see maybe, maybe if I like it. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we'll be seeing these at conventions for years to come. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Absurdly priced, too. Like, oh, yeah. In like five years, this will go for like 50 bucks. Yeah. You're like, what? <laughs> With the millions of runs that they do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the death of Superman. You always see those still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen all the comic shows we go to. You still see them in the poly bags and everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else, man? Any any collecting? Uh, you know, besides watching? that, any movie watching? Yeah, I picked. Uh, watched a couple movies um you can see them on his youtube show yeah <laughs> i can't think of any right now it's been a been a little bit but uh no uh the one thing i'm waiting for is some you know aquaman news yeah. i, I want to get the aquaman movie poster i'm looking here at your movie posters and they look pretty nice and you know you got a a well, <laughs> you need another a how about aquaman i've got the third a but i don't have enough space this is the avengers teaser posters that we're discussing here this is tim's announcement he's on he's on aa triple yeah. a yeah <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm i think that we should be getting some stuff from aquaman pretty soon now we got some news to discuss in a little bit mm-hmm. about some reshoots in that but hopefully once we get through i think may and the majority of the big films for the year are behind us with black panther uh, solo and infinity war deadpool so they're all going to be in a rear view mirror and we're gonna have this open space for this big void for aquaman to fill up let's do it i mean i'm I banking on this for a box office run yeah you know i need to make up ground i'm 700 million behind yeah we're getting crushed i will post an update <laughs> on our box office fantasy i actually did that today at work Shh. but <laughs> it's done it's complete troy is killing us and i don't think there's any way i'm going to even come close to catching him the only person that's got a chance of sanjay here was solo which does drop in just over a month make sure you get your tickets bring your friends bring your family you know this is a little movie that could 
Yeah, everyone's counting out this movie. It's true. I think I think a lot of people are discounting how well this movie. You're being serious. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I think there's a lot of negativity towards this film. I don't think so. If you listen to our trailer review from last week, oh, be, oh, be, I mean, up until the trailer, oh, that yeah, trailer yeah. There, was great. There was, there was, yeah, there was a lot of people questioning, and we had even thrown out that, like, do we need this film? Right. And our answer from last week, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on the trailer too, is yes, we do need this film, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, I saw the trailer when it dropped. I haven't seen it since, so my memory's a little fuzzy, but I loved it. I mean, the thing that I really love about this movie is we have so few event movies left that really drive the general audiences to go to theaters black panther was one uh avengers infinity wars one and solo is another one i mean we got to celebrate these uh there's a lot of stuff you know with streaming and uh the movie industry and theaters seem to be like slowing down and so anytime that there's a chance that we get the whole general audience and a movie becomes like a cultural phenomenon i'm on board with that so I, I I'm I'm super excited for Solo. So make sure you get your tickets. Even if you even if you don't know people that are going, just buy extra tickets to fill up the theater. Yeah, so just I'm to just help really me banking on this yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Solo merchandise was scheduled to drop this past Friday. Now there wasn't the same hype that there's been around the Saga films or even Rogue One with a very scheduled date, a release our street release date for action figures for the merchandise Funko Pops and that now some of that has started to filter out into Canada but it did hit in the US some a bit early and some right on the Friday the three and three quarter inch the black series six inch the Funko Pops like I mentioned the Lego also dropped so we didn't get much of that up here I know you were out hunting for it but myself my wife was out running around for me I did a little bit of my own I saw nothing not a single piece of merchandise for hmm. Solo, with the exception of the Legos at the Lego store. So Lego, always dependable, always mm-hmm. there. Price points on those are a tad bit high. I'm going to wait maybe for some sort of discount. But I'm, I'm relatively disappointed that I didn't get my hands on any of the Black Series 6-inch. It's a good line. But our, our dude Troy, down in the States, <laughs> he was running around in Target. He did find some down there. So he'll be coming back up with a little bit of a haul. So we get to, a close look at, that, at those if we don't get them up here within the next week or so. So my, my solo Friday, if we want to call it that, yeah. wasn't that great. I didn't find <laughs> anything. And I'm not as, I wouldn't say, I don't have that, that same sort of plastic anxiety, as I call it, yeah. that I have had in the past. I know these figures are going to drop. I'm looking for a few of them. The Funko Pops, I've identified only a couple. So I'm really cutting back my collection i i listened to the tumbling saber guys this past week or two weeks ago on the sith the servers and they had a real candid discussion that really hit home for me that i felt really relevant about collecting how big it is mm-hmm. how much stuff there is and how it's almost impossible to collect everything and be a completist yeah now i don't find myself anymore wanting to be that completist but i do want a little something from each film i'm not out there chasing these Funko Pops, all of them, the same way I did in 2015 (laughs) with Avengers Age of Ultron and The Force Awakens. That was my biggest collecting year ever. Really cut back. And it's kind of setting up the nerd room here for our Peak the Nerd Room video. Yeah, I've realized that I'm close to saturation, but now it's just supplementing and getting something little from each film. Now, I say that, (laughs) but we all know I'm going to go a bit crazy at some point. It happens. You yeah, know, it's okay. But, but how's how's your your movie collection developing? And do you find yourself the same way that that I'm feeling, and what appears to be some of the Tumbling Saber guys are feeling is that, you know, it's time to maybe pump the brakes a little, refocus, and do something that 
you can display. Now I know with the films, you don't have that same issue because you do have a lot of space, mm -hmm. but do you ever find yourself a little overwhelmed? <laughs> yeah, this past little bit, actually, that's a good point because at the end of 2017, you know, all these big films were coming out in December, you know, Jumanji, Justice League, uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. So it seemed, and like Coco. So it seemed like every week I was buying steel books and I yeah, was like, man, that's 45 bucks a pop. Yeah. <laughs> and this is getting expensive. Like I can't afford to keep this up. But thankfully now that, you know, movies come out so much quicker on home video. So it's only a three month waiting window right now. So it's, we're into all the movies in January and February already that are coming out on home video that came out in 2018 mm. so as you know like it takes a while for um the studios to release the big films they don't really release like the big hits early on like black panther's the one yeah, exception longer run in theaters too yeah yeah so um in terms of like feeling the heat i don't know the thing is with movies it's, it's hard to be a completist because you'll never own no. every movie ever made that's there's no possible way uh the way i kind of look at it is you know i have i made a list actually on a spreadsheet of a ton of movies that i'm just like want to buy so when they come out i look at them and you know a lot of times the opening week they may be a little bit pricier and i'm like you know i can wait a couple months to watch pitch perfect three yes eventually i'm gonna own it i did see it in theaters <laughs> do you recommend it uh it's fine okay like yeah. it's one of those movies you can put on you and your yeah. wife on friday evening if you don't want to do anything big it's funny enough the story kind of goes awry. It's Pitch Perfect 3. Don't expect much from it. But <laughs> it's there for a laugh or two. There's Tim's Pitch Perfect 3 review. <laughs> <laughs> so I made a list. And, you know, um, Black Friday, Boxing Day. Yeah. Those movies always get marked down. The thing is, with movies that I find the most troubling is stores have stopped selling them. You go to Walmart. You go to Best Buy. The shelves are not there anymore. There's no Target in Canada. Sunrise is still, like, starting up, and they're pretty good. But I mean, that's the thing is like, they're starting to not be as popular and with toys and action figures, I'm sure you're feeling it too, because Toys R Us leaving the States, that's a huge thing. Yeah. And you know, if it leaves Canada, we're kind of hooped because we rely on Toys R Us, I think more than the States because we don't have as many options. We don't have the Targets. We don't have the, do they still have Zellers down there? Kmart? So. No, yeah. they don't have Zellers. Zellers Canadian. They don't, they have Kmart and they have even like walgreens and that sells mm -hmm. action figures and funko pops and has sections where you can buy these type of toys yeah. here yeah we're limited to basically walmart toys r us and your local comic book shops or hobby shops yeah so in the absence of a toys r us yeah it's gonna be really tough up here to be a collector now there's always online and i find myself resisting that more so like i've totally embraced digital mm-hmm but I find myself resisting going to Amazon or Toys R Us or .ca or whatever it is, Walmart.ca, because I still like that that thrill of the hunt. I like getting yeah. out there. It's kind of an experience of as, as I've talked about in the past with my daughter that I really like doing. You know, we go and she buys like a mashem or something small, and I'm kind of wandering around grabbing my Star Wars stuff. So I really enjoy that aspect of it, and that's something I don't want to give up just to get it. Like yeah, I find that if I can't get it that way. If it's something I really, really need, then yeah, maybe I will. But in the absence of that, I probably am not going to go to the, the digital version or online shopping the same way that maybe other collectors are because mm -hmm. I still like that. Like that's the experience to me. Yeah. Because I like when I look at the nerd room here, I like having a story to each piece I have in here. Like you can ask me about anything in here and I have a story about it. Okay. Okay. What about... 
this helmet, dude. So I got these little titanium helmets from <laughs> The Force Awakens and Rogue One. Now, the majority of these my wife bought me on discount from Toys R Us nice. for about five bucks a pop. Now, no one oh. wanted these things. I've always liked them. They're nice little heavy things. But again, it's a connection to my wife. I like the pieces. They kind of stand up nicely. They're quite well displayed. So I think that's the thing. And I'm looking too. I've got some stuff from Star Tours, like some action yeah. figures from that, from the time my wife and I were in Disneyland. I've got vintage figures, Funko. Like I can tell you a story about most things in here. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. I find the online shopping is so impersonal. It's just, it shows up in a box. Yeah. You open it, you display it, or you put it in a bin and that's it. You don't have an experience associated with it. So that's kind of where I'm taking my collecting. I've, I've, kind of pump the brakes a bit on the idea of needing everything and just having more of that experience getting it and then that as acting as a reminder or a piece of uh, history if you could say in my own personal life whether it's with my wife my daughter friends whomever that I have that experience with like I even go back to the Force Awakens stuff that we're looking at here the Black Series 6 inch I bought most of these with Troy in our first Friday first Force Friday together. That's right. So I love these figures just for having that experience. And we've got a great story that goes behind that. Mm-hmm. And so if I had just bought them online, I wouldn't have had that. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I'm at with collecting overall. I but. get it. I get it. Yeah. I, online's too easy. And as you said, the one thing I don't like about online is the shipping. It takes a couple days. A lot of times if you get the movie, you know, the box is damaged or the steel book, there might be a dent in it. So. I, you know, and I like going through and looking in person, as you say, looking at each item. I mean, I'm sure this happened to you. You don't really keep the boxes, though, except for your Funko. Oh, actually, your Star, your Star Wars. Star Wars, you Funko, are in box. My yeah. Marvel Legends out of box. Boxes go in the garbage. Yeah. I just don't have the space for the boxes anymore. Yeah. And I liked how they look displayed. Yeah, no, it looks, <laughs> it looks sharp. Anyways, that, that's our weekend, nerd. Yeah. Except for, like, actually, one more thing. Have okay. you watched Lost in Space on Netflix? No, the, I haven't. Go watch it. It's really <laughs> good. It's a new Netflix series that dropped. It's adapting the, I think it was 1960s Lost in Space TV show. There was a late 90s that's film. Right. Matt think, LeBlanc yeah, was Matt in LeBlanc, it. William Hurt, and I think Gary Oldman. Really? That's a great cast. Yeah, and actually, I, I, I'm i sure it's not, or it doesn't hold up at all. <laughs> but I remember really liking the film when it came out. Kind of hit that niche period. I can't remember if it came out prior to The Phantom Menace or not. So it may have been right when I was starting to get into sci-fi. Right. And this show is really good. Like, mm. it's really well done. The budget must be enormous. Yeah. And the, the whole series, as the at least the first four episodes, I, I'm really engaged with it. Like, I was up and watched two episodes last night by myself. Nice. <laughs> like, one in bed. And yeah. I don't usually <laughs> do stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm kind of hooked on this show. So if you guys have a chance, get out there and watch Lost in Space. Nice plug. Nice plug. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Netflix, hook us up. Yeah, really. <laughs> I need that ten ninety nine a month. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's time to jump into this week's listener questions. So we're going to follow this up with our news and then get into our top 10 MCU moments. And our first question this week comes from our dude, our weekly contributor, grabs granite we need to come up with a theme song i keep saying i i always sing the theme song troy er, troy uh, tim it's your turn to sing the theme song no i'm i'm erring on the side of caution here with troy and i'm gonna leave that one to you but here's what we'll do okay we're going to develop one over the next several weeks and we will play it once i like you that. compose it <laughs> <laughs> if there's any musicians out there or you know artists that are struggling Make it a Grabs theme song. Yeah, there you go. That'll get you to the top of the charts. That's how you two got started. <laughs> True fact. Is it? 
No. no. I was going to say. <laughs> they started some, on a podcast. You're bringing something real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The subject of Grab's question here is wisdom dispensers. Hello, Tim. Troy and Sanjay. Troy is out of the office this week, but his message reads, or his question reads, every story needs more than a hero. And no, I'm not just meaning the antagonist. Without family or friends, these heroes wouldn't be who they are. From Uncle Ben to Ma and Pa Kent, these are the people that shape a superhero's character. Who are some of your favorite characters in comics, novels, and movies that are not the primary hero, but the reason the hero is who she, he or she is? What are some of the best story arcs that highlight these characters? Secondly, which superhero hero's best friend is the worst influence them on them? Man, I did that terribly. <laughs> Your friend, despite my jealousy of Troy's nerd room, Grabs. Great question, Grabs. Grabs always comes up with great questions. Yeah, it really makes me think. I get this like panicky feeling as I'm yeah. reading it because I'm like, oh my God, how am I going to answer this properly? Right? And here I'm rambling, trying to give myself some more time <laughs> to think about it. And because I am kind of hosting this and I read the question, I'm going to throw it to you first. All right. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. Okay, so... The people in the lives that really make the hero, you know. Yeah, the kind of the side characters, the supporting characters. Yeah. That aren't necessarily super powered. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, as a DC guy, the big one is Alfred. Yes. I mean, Alfred. That's the best one. I love Alfred. And he's had many interpretations from the old feeble Alfred from the Tim Burton films Mm -hmm. to Michael Caine to Jeremy Irons kicking ass in Batman v Superman. So, I mean, Alfred, and Alfred was part of, I think, the Secret Six, or MI6 in the UK? Yeah, he's meant to have some sort of military background, right? Yeah, yeah. which makes sense. And he, I think uh, Alfred in Gotham has been really good as well. From what I remember, he was actually pretty good. Um, so, Alfred, of course, is the number one. I, I would go with Alfred. Um, other ones, I mean, Superman has so many, like... Of course, his parents and his Kryptonian parents, but then you got his other supporting cast like Jimmy Olsen, mm-hmm. Perry White, um, Lois Lane. Lois Lane, of course. Lois Lane is the big one, the she, key to it all, the future. She is the one. <laughs> I mean, I'm too. Am I too early? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And of course, Martha. Yeah, Martha. Martha, yeah, Martha both can. Marthas. Oh, Marthas. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all know how much I love the Martha. Um, I'm going to get you a shirt that just says Martha. I would actually probably wear that. <laughs> okay. Ironically. <laughs> <laughs> well, from the Marvel side of things, I've been racking my brain here as we've been discussing. And of course, you can go to Peter Parker. You got Uncle Ben, of course. But you've also got Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy. Gwen Stacy right. being a significant one, right? That really changed the character of spider-man in the death of gwen stacy arc Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of take from the alfred angle here you got edwin jarvis the butler at avengers man mansion and the butler to tony stark and the thing i love about edwin jarvis is that he's a human character in the comic books but they did morph him into this ai in iron man which is now synonymous with the character they've even pulled that in ported that into the comic books to see how significant that character is and he's got a really great story arc I can't remember if it is, oh, what is it? I think it's in the 200s of Avengers when it's a pretty dark arc when there's a group of villains that essentially destroy the Avengers mansion. And there's a a cover, I think it's during this arc, and Edwin Jarvis is holding up a vacuum and says there's one more (laughs) Avenger, something like that. Oh, that's amazing. It's a a really good story, and Jarvis has got some uh, recent love in the comic books. I'll say love in air quotes because it's not really... 
but if you've been reading the comic books, I won't spoil anything, but he is in there. That's a good character, a good supporting character that has defined or at least helped define a generation of Avengers. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to rack my brain who else is, you know, yeah, like you said, you always go to Alfred, uh, the significance, even though they aren't presence of Bruce Wayne's parents. I, yeah, um, you know, I, I, we always bring up like the girlfriend of the, the male hero, right? Like that's always the one, but you know, if you reverse it, the boyfriend of the female superhero, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor's a good from one. Wonder Woman. He has no well, he has no superpowers, but he is still a hero. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was he played the uh, damsel in distress in Wonder Woman, and Chris Pine nailed it. And yeah, uh, and and if you look at also um, Etta Candy, uh, yeah, Lucy Davis gave an amazing performance, and she was like the levity. And some of her jokes when Wonder Woman is trying on the different uh, outfits. I thought that was the funniest lines in the whole movie. Yeah. Now here I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a really weird one at you. All right, let's How hear about it. Bruce Banner. Bruce. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a little more obscure. It might take me a bit of time to walk around this one, but Bruce Banner being the intelligent man, the scientist behind Hulk, yeah, and his relation with Hulk and that kind of Jekyll Hyde thing really defines the character. Mm-hmm. And so Banner without the superhero powers and then you have hulk with the superhero powers sometimes they're one and the same yeah. sometimes they're separate and sometimes they're completely separate and actually apart from one another. yeah but yeah that's kind of one there that it may walk a fine line but yeah. banner and hulk what about joe jana joe what is it <laughs> joe, joe jana jo- why can i say this <laughs> <laughs> this is why we need troy he's a spider-man guy what is it jay jonah jameson J- why am i saying joe <laughs> <laughs> that's another one i really like too because I always like him and Peter Parker's relationship. Now, mm-hmm. I don't have as much experience as Troy does from the comic books, but I really like it in the first Spider-Man films, right? Yeah. That, that's, he kind of plays like a, not so much an antagonist, but someone that's always kind of driving Peter Parker mm-hmm. and kind of driving Spider-Man at the same time. So he's kind of plays this like dual role of being some form of influence on both Parker and Spider-Man. And you generally don't get that unless you're talking about his immediate family. Yeah, it's true. And J.K. Simmons did perfectly. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. He was awesome. <laughs> Have we got another J. Jonas since then? Can't remember. Was he nope. in Amazing Spider-Man? Uh, I don't think so, no. He wasn't in Homecoming. We haven't had a J. He might be character they put on the shelf and never use again. Yeah. Because like, yeah. realistically, if you're looking at the Homecoming timeline too, we're quite a ways away from a J. Jonas, unless they introduce the, what is it? Not the Daily Planet. That's from DC. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Daily Bugle. Daily Bugle. Thank you. Yeah. I'm having a really difficult time tonight. <laughs> it's okay. You just love DC. Yes, I know. <laughs> that's what, that's all it is. <laughs> so the second part of his question is talking about ones that are negative influences. Yeah. So I got one going back millions of years. Okay. Let's go to the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the influence on who? So you have Barney and Fred. But there's the little green alien, Osmodius. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that is a deep cut, man. You like that obscure reference? That's, yes. I know, I'm surprised you know the name. Yeah. My dad would love that reference. <laughs> it's a great show. <laughs> it's a good show. Who didn't love the Simpsons, or the, uh, Flintstones? And, uh, yeah, he was always getting Fred into trouble. Yeah, this so is true. that I mean, there you go. That's the, uh, that's the uh, supporting character best friends that are the worst influence on them so you know in in marvel you could toss to maybe like a bucky barnes steve rogers relationship now in the films you could say that bucky's had a really negative impact on steve rogers because civil war happened that's right yeah (laughs) (laughs) all the stuff that's happening maybe not so much infinity war but 
the reason why he's on the run is more or less because of his best friend Bucky and what he's protecting. So it's not so much that Bucky is acting as a bad influence on Steve, but his presence acts as a bad influence on Steve Rogers. That's true. So that's going to have to be probably the one. Like I thought maybe Loki and Thor. Yeah. Another one, but they're not really best friends. They're kind of brothers, and Loki's always seemingly have this negative influence on Thor because Thor seems to always open that door for Loki to bring him in and yeah. always leads him down a much darker or maybe not so favorable path. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like we see it in every film and even in the comic books, he gives them an inch and Loki takes a mile. Oh, so true. Yeah. So th- there's kind of a relationship there that is where you have one. I'm. It's not really the best friends. It doesn't really fit the question, but at the same time, they have that brotherly relationship. So I'm going to say Bucky and Cap and Thor and Loki. I like it. I like it. Okay. Well, thank you, Grabs. Really appreciate that question. Yeah. You're always getting us thinking here. It always got me worrying what's going to come next because <laughs> I'm afraid that we're not going to be able to answer it with any sort of coherency. It always grabs my attention. Oh, there you go. I love it. Love yeah. it. We're going to, off that pun, we're going to leap into our next listener question. Now, these next two come from our dude Stu Baca and Matthew Salvador. We had to push them to this week because we had a bit of a full listener questions last week and we want to make sure you were in the room to answer particularly Matthew Salvador's question here. But this is coming from our dude Stu Baca on Twitter. Great guy. Good afternoon, guys. Hope you are well. I had a question for you. Do you have a Marvel or DC hero that you would love to see in a movie or TV series but you don't think it will ever happen? Maybe because the CGI would never work or the character is too obscure or perhaps just too silly. I would love to see She-Hulk one day, but I just don't think the general public would get her. Saying that, I never would have thought we would have seen an Ant-Man film. Keep up the awesome work, Stubaka. Great question. Oh, awesome question. I am always thinking about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's what's the next that's coming? You know, I mean, 10 years ago, if you asked this question, our list would have been filled with stuff that's already been made. Oh, yeah, 100%. We, we would have been Guardians of the Galaxy, Black Panther, Black Panther Ant-Man, Aquaman, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange Wonder Woman. These characters will never get movies. What are you talking about? Now, the thing is, everything's on the table. Yeah, literally everything. And you go to the Netflix series where you've got the Defenders and all that. Yeah. So when you're when you're when I'm thinking about Marvel in itself, I'm like, what is out there still that I think they will never make? Now you have a pretty good pull here with She-Hulk. Yeah. But I could see them using Jennifer Walters' character as as the lawyer end of things and putting her into the MCU. Like, this is a strong female character. They've built kind of the basis for an origin in the idea of gamma radiation, and she may resonate more with the Marvel crew as we get into our Captain Marvels and progress further in to, say, a Phase 4 or Phase 5 when we need characters like this to support that universe. So I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, Stu, but I wouldn't count She-Hulk out of it just yet. We've got Jessica Jones, Daredevil, you know, Luke Cage... She could fit in a Netflix world, or she could also fit in the MCU. That's true. But so who are you thinking? Who do you who do you want to see on screen that you think has a let's say a slimmer chance at being on TV or in film? So what about if it's someone that's already been on TV, but it's been a long time? Sure, I'll give you that one. All right, I'm, I'm gonna go with Martian Manhunter. Okay. So I think he was on Smallville, or he may have been on like the Justice League '90s. TV pilot that wasn't he in Super Woman or Girl recently? Oh yeah, he was in Supergirl. Yeah. Oh, there goes there. <laughs> I thought I was like, then this guy. See, that's the thing is that everything's on the table. So yeah. things that um, you think are gonna get made, you know, will never get made or getting made. I mean, 
I had to go back and think of my list now. I mean, the one I would really love would be Dark Side. Um, but with you know Justice League kind of not doing so well, there's talk of a New Gods movie, but that's all there is right now is talk. Until we start production, you know, we we can't like assume it's gonna get made. So uh, Dark Side would be pretty cool. But the one I'm gonna go bigger is Anti Monitor. Anti Monitor. Okay. So Anti Monitor is even bigger than Dark Side, and he brings together he what he did was he brought together the entire DC canon, all the different um, universes. So I would really love for them to make a movie with him, but also include the DC TV characters and even reach back further and bring back Michael Keaton as Batman, bring back uh, Brandon Routh as Superman wow, and have multiverse. and have this huge multiverse movie with the anti-monitor and just throw everything you can at the screen and just say, let's do this, boys. Yeah, that would be pretty damn cool. Yeah, I, I think. And even get back like all the different Batmans, like Val Kilmer, uh, George Clooney, Alicia Silverstone as Batgirl, bring her back. Bring back Robin. Just bring back everybody. So you want you want less of a character, more of this massive multi well, well, story I, arc. I guess the Anti Monitor would be the one character that would, would bring that, everything yeah. together, and that's what they did in the comics. Would they ever do that in a movie? I don't know. I mean, that'd be super cool and super ambitious. But I never thought we'd see the Guardians of the Galaxy teaming up with the Avengers to fight Thanos, and that's coming up in two weeks. So yeah. <laughs> don't hold your breath; it could happen. I think, like you said. Everything is on the table. Now, yeah. one character I'm going to throw out here that you'd think fits into the universe, but James Gunn has been, you know, has pushed back on his presence in the film universe, and that's Richard Rider's Nova. Now, that's a character I love the run. I think it was 2007 through 2009 or so. There's a run in there that fits in with the Annihilation Wave, all the cosmic stuff from, the, you know, the late 2000s. And James Gunn hasn't been too hyped about having Nova. Now, we have seen the Nova Corps, yep. the kind of the police, the galaxy police or whatever you want to call them, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1. We're probably going to see them in Infinity War, at least here at the start, because that's where the Power Stone resides at this point in time. Okay. But are we going to see like a super-powered Nova Corps member, and particularly Richard Ryder? I would love to see that. But right now in this universe, I'm not sure if we're going to get it. And some of it has to do with the fact that the character is a solo character in a big galaxy. I'm not sure if you need more of an ensemble for a cosmic film. And we'll see with Solo, I guess. <laughs> but he's got a good ensemble around him. And also we've established a Nova Corps. We didn't really get into the idea of there being a super powered Nova Corps member. Why wouldn't he have shown up in Infinity War or at least mm -hmm. when the Nova Corps was being attacked? So that's going to be the one I'm going to say. I'm going to say Richard Rider's Nova because I don't think we're going to get him, but I would love to see him in the film universe at some point. Okay, what about a character that we've seen maybe once or twice but kind of was a dud? And you'd love to see like the Deadpool reboot and show what the character could really be about. You know, like if you showed uh, the average fan X-Men Origins Deadpool and that's all they knew about the character, they'd be like, why are we getting this movie? And then the movie came out and showed what the true character was and everyone fell in love with the character. What's like one character that you, that's been out in the movies and fans were like, oh, this, this guy sucks or this girl sucks. But then if they did it and did it justice, the character, everyone would be like, this is amazing. You know, I, I two immediately popped to my mind. The first one being the Wolverine origin story. Yeah. That one comes immediately to mind that 
they had the ability to do something really great there mm-hmm. and go that extra distance. They showed what they could do with Logan. Yeah. If they go back and did like a rated R version of oh, that. Oh my goodness. That'd be amazing. That would be absolutely incredible because that's probably the appropriate forum for that, especially when he's Berserker Wolverine at the yeah. start. But the other one I'm thinking of is Ben Affleck's Batman. Okay. Now, I did enjoy the fight scenes from Batman vs. Superman, but I've never been thrilled with his overall performance or maybe the story that surrounded Batman. I think some of the mystery that they put forth in Batman vs. Superman with Wayne Manor, the reference, I think, in Justice League to Penguin, Mm -hmm. I think going back and trying to redo that character in this universe. Now, I've, I've... voiced my my discontent with what's been done but there's something cool about having this proper old batman like you look back mm-hmm. at the nolan verse and bruce wayne was older like they kind of yeah. did the dark knight sort of arc or dark knight returns right but he was only 10 years removed not much happened in there but there's so much implied history mm-hmm. with affleck's batman that we never get yeah and we only get this little seed of so returning to that character and maybe we'll get that with Matt Reeves' Batman. I hope. But I really want them to do something special with Batman that we haven't seen. But using this kind of mysterious past and maybe having it haunt him or revisit it, mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Explain why Yeah. The, the or Wayne Manor's been burnt down. The whole Robin stuff with Joker. Like, there's so much history there. Yeah. They need to go back and kind of reframe this character and give us a proper Batman and leverage a bit of that that maybe painful past that, that has been alluded to in Justice League and Batman vs. Superman. I, w- I would love that. Um, so I'm going to go uh, Galactus. Okay. You know, he's not just a cloud. <laughs> this is true. I mean, that, I, I guess you could, that can apply to the entire Fantastic Four and, and uh, Doctor Doom. Pretty much the only cool thing about the Fantastic Four was Silver Surfer. Those movies. That film, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Juggernaut. You know, we had Juggernaut in X-Men The Last Stand. That's a character that needs revisiting. And yeah, I, I think they if they CGI'd him and made him like massive like he is in the comics, that'd be really cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, Stubaka, thank you yeah, for thank that. thank you, Stubaka. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts and maybe some from the DC side. Or if you think we're a bit kind of off base saying that She-Hulk may make it into the film universe sooner than you think. Yeah, I, I mean maybe they could do it with like a different um actress like different backstory i don't really know too much about she hulk to be honest with you but the cgi is there with hulk and so Definitely. it's there yeah i'd be i'd be down yeah. as a build just make everything we're in the age where we may not this may never come again so let's make every single superhero movie that we can ever think of that we ever dreamed of let's just do it I agree. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Our last listener question from this week comes from our dude, Matthew Salvaro. Make sure to go check out his YouTube stuff. He's doing a lot of stop motion Lego. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely incredible. I love watching it. Yeah. And thanks, Matthew, for getting me onto the Tron bandwagon. Yeah. You you showed me that video and I was like, I got to find out more about Tron. So thank you. Excellent. All right. Matthew writes, hey, guys, you have such an epic show. That warms my heart. Though Justice League is not the complete fulfillment of Snyder's vision, I still really enjoyed the film. Waiting for Sunday's applause. (laughs) For me, the film reminds me of when I would watch Justice League animated series on Saturday mornings. Even Suicide Squad, in several ways, reminds me of that animated Justice League show. Don't know why, but it has that vibe. Any film that reminds me of Justice League animated show is always a plus for me because it's one of my favorite DC animated TV shows. 
So my question for the nerd room this week would be as follows. What is your favorite superhero animated TV show? Has there been a live action film that has captured the spirit of an animated TV show for you? Last one, if you worked at Marvel or DC and had to create an animated show, what would it be about? Would Who would be your main character? What kind of tone would you see? Thank you for your time. You guys have a fantastic show and I look forward to hearing it every week. Thanks, Matt. No, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. <laughs> now, Sanjay, we, we kind of push this question because we know that you love a lot of the animated DC stuff. You've That's watched true. a lot of it. You've put a lot of time and effort into that. We want to make sure that we had your thoughts. Now, at the time, we thought Troy was going to be here, too. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't want to push this question any further because I think it's something that we should answer because, you know, you have that experience. I have a bit of experience in the animated realm. But what would be, what is your kind of favorite superhero animated TV show? Uh, no brainer, Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. That one is perfection. That pretty much changed the whole Bat game. But, you know, and it really mirrors the Tim Burton Batman universe. Kind of that dark, um, that dark uh, Gotham style, if you will, yeah, gothic noir. style. Yeah, exactly. That noir style. That, unfortunately, Schumacher went away from with his neon noir. <laughs> but definitely that. I think the Burden and the Batman the Animated Series definitely go hand in hand, more so than actually the Nolan films, because the Nolan films are a little bit more modern, whereas with the Burden films, you know, they're driving, like, different style cars, and then the Animated Series is the same thing. There's no cell phones, that kind of thing. Mark Hamill's in it. Mark Hamill is Joker. one of the great voice actors of our generation. He is so good. There is a scene where he plays Mark Hamill, the Joker, the trickster, and I think someone else in one scene, and he does all four voices. It's insane. You got to watch it. It's on he just... He plays himself? He plays Mark Hamill, yeah. <laughs> so this guy, this guy picks up Mark Hamill, and it turns out to be the Joker driving the car, and then the trickster is also there, and he's doing like all the different voices. It is so good. You have to check it out. It's from, I think, Justice League animated, or I can't remember, but it's it's amazing. Check it out. Awesome. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and the other thing is uh, the X-Men, uh, the X-Men animated yes, series from the, the 90s. 90s. Yeah, Definitely the early films, I find, um, the first three anyways, and a little bit of the uh, Wolverine stuff, but even like the new stuff in terms of X-Men Apocalypse. I really got that vibe with the animated series. Yeah, and I think Dark Phoenix that we're going to see here at the mm -hmm. later part of this year is really going to capture that. We, like you mentioned at the end of Apocalypse, we got basically all their 90s suits. Yeah. Because for a lot of the generation, at least our generation, that's how we view these characters. Cyclops oh, yeah. in the blue, Storm in the white, you know, we've got um, Nightcrawler, Jubilee, like all these characters that are very definitive for that. And I think they're finally going that direction. Yeah. And, you know, um, they really mirrored the Jim Lee run on yep. the X-Men comics from the nineties. I mean, that's literally from page to screen. Yeah. And I don't think we're ever going to get like anything like that again. Cause that was, that was perfection. No. And then of course there's the Spider-Man animated series from the same time frame as well, which I really, really loved. Um, and the Avengers as well. Avengers earth mightiest heroes. That's, that's my top one. That's going to be my pick for, for this question. Okay. Yeah. Avengers earth mightiest heroes. It's, it's absolutely incredible. I think there's two or three seasons, uh, two seasons, two seasons, 24 episodes or so. And this series is absolutely incredible. It's Love my it. favorite animated show almost of all time, like removing some of the nostalgic ones from, right. from youth. But it, it does some really great arcs in there. It's got the, or, uh, the Secret Invasion arc. It's got basically, if you want to crash history in Avengers, you go to this TV show. Mm -hmm. It, it kind of takes its basis in the comic books, 
from the New Avengers run done by Brian Michael Bendis in the early 2000s, New Avengers Volume 1. So mm-hmm. this basically came out of the back end of Avengers Disassembled, and then he reassembled the New Avengers as being this huge crew. But it also, it takes that sort of storyline and uses it as a catalyst to get the Avengers together, but it's using the Avengers from the original run of stan lee and jack king kirby so you've got the origin of ant-man and the wasp the origin of black panther in the avengers and as you go through this series you see that building and then they see secret invasion (laughs) throughout all of this and it's an incredible tv show you haven't seen that go watch it that'll get you into comic books alone because it does seed a lot of itself from those original comic book runs and kind of the updated version from Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, it's fantastic. The animation is amazing as well. A lot of times with the newer shows, I can't get into the animation, but this animation is great. The theme song. Yes. Let's talk about the theme song. How great is that theme song? One of the best. It gets you just amped up. You're ready to put on a shield and a bow and arrow and go fight for the Avengers. Yeah. And the best part about the, the, the theme song and all that is also the title card. Yeah. It changes as the Avengers grows. Oh, so okay. So it starts off with just the core Avengers, and then as it grows and adds Black Panther and all that, yeah. you see the title card grow, which is really cool. That's awesome. I, got, I have season two on Blu-ray, but I think season one, you can either get it split up into two parts or they can get like the big pack, and I haven't found that yet. So I'm on the lookout for that. But I also think it's on Netflix. So is it, no, it used to be on Netflix. Oh, okay. I don't think it's on Netflix anymore unless it's been recently put back up. Because Disney pulled it because Disney purchased Marvel while that show was going on. Yeah, and they ended it. They ended it and started their own show, which I never kept up with. No, I tried to. It's called Avengers Assemble. Even a lot of the same voice actors went over. Yeah. The art is in a similar direction as well, but I could never get into the main storyline of that one, so uh, I never continued watching it. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but how about if you had to, if you were head of Marvel or DC... What would you do? I think, you know what I would probably do? I wouldn't do a series. I would do, and you guys are going to hate me because I'm always hammering on at this. I would do the Annihilation storyline in a like two or three part okay. miniseries. Some of the time, like we get with some of the Justice League or DC stuff, right? You get yeah. those kind of short animated, not so much shows, but films. Mm-hmm. I would do something like that because... I, I love that story arc and I'd love to see it adapted into some form of visual media, whether it's TV or I don't think we'll ever get it in film. So this with the animated, you have the ability to and take some liberties with the comic books and actually take them and almost physically panel for panel adapt them into the comics or into the TV show. So I'm going to say the Annihilation from 2007, the Annihilation event, the cosmic event that really spurred a lot of stuff that we're seeing right now. Cool, cool. How about you? Um, well, before I answer this question, um, one of them that I was thinking of would be Deadpool. And unfortunately, um, Childish Gambino was writing a Deadpool animated series, but I guess they passed on it. Really? Yeah. So there's some stuff that leaked online, like his script, and it's hilarious. Very Deadpool-esque. Very meta. Very breaking the fourth wall. But apparently they passed on it. So that would have been really cool. But I'm a DC guy. And I'm always saying that they should make a wonder woman animated series Mm -hmm. we've had batman we've had superman wonder woman has proven that she can kill it in the movies so if you give her an animated series and start her with her training in uh amazon in themiscura and have her grow up and you know get all that training from her and and then once she goes into the contest and then like bring it to the modern days 
and have her just go around and like involve a lot of like Greek mythology in it. So like she's going to fight like a Minotaur or she's going to, cool. uh, I don't even know, like fight Hercules and or like uh, Jason the Argonauts and stuff like that. And just really like base it around like Greek mythology and have her like interacting with Zeus and stuff. I think that would be great. I would love to see that. And just have her like go on cool adventures, like kind of like a monster of the week and, but have it like more geared for kids and where they're just uh, not kids, like kids, but like also adults can enjoy it. Like the Batman animated series. So yeah, it's, it's providing an avenue into a character for someone younger, but also gives something for the adults to watch in the background. I think that's, to me, that is the best type of cartoon. Like you go, you look to a rebels for that mm-hmm. versus mighty heroes from the justice league stuff that it appeals to multi-generations. You don't have to be a child to enjoy this cartoon in particular. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, if I had to choose a Marvel one, because, you know, I, I love both. <laughs> I think Black Panther. Yes, that I wouldn't be surprised if we, we see that. How could you not? I mean, this is the biggest movie in a decade. Yeah, you have a lot you can do with Wakanda in there, mm-hmm. with supporting characters. You can have a meet up with Captain America or Winter Soldier. Leverage the film a bit and some of yeah. that continuity built in there. Right. Not necessarily sitting within canon, but there's a lot you could do there with guest cast and all that. So, yeah, I agree. Black Panther is probably one that, if we're going to see one out of anything, it's probably going to be Black Panther. Yeah, I mean, Guardians got their own animated series. Yes, yeah, right off the back end of the movie, too. So, yeah, look out for that. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. All three of you gentlemen, thank you very much for the thank questions. You, thank you, thank you. You make this show better. We appreciate the time and effort you put into writing into us. And hopefully we answered those those questions and gave you something a bit more to chew on. We'd love to hear back from you guys if you have any more input into those conversations. Yeah, and if you're listening and you hear those questions and you had a great response that you're like, you dummies, you missed blank. It was so obvious. Write in, write in, you know, tweet us, send us an email, let us know, and then we'll read it on the air next week. Definitely. Especially if you're calling us over being dumb. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Before we move into a little bit more of MCU and Infinity War discussion, I wanted to quickly touch on a few DC news bits that we had gotten this past week. Now, one being the announcement or some sort of confirmation that we're getting a Birds of Prey film starring Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn. Am I correct on that? Yes, you are correct. So what <laughs> what's going on is Suicide Squad 2 is being pushed back. Okay. And so what Warner Brothers, this is what's going around the internet. How true this is, I don't know. But apparently they were wowed from a script by Christina Hodson. And now she wrote recently the Bumblebee movie. Bumblebee. <laughs> so she wrote the script and they're like, wow, this is really good. So they fast-tracked it and they hired... Um, Kathy Yan to direct. Now, I don't know much about her work, um, but apparently she released a film at Sundance and it was really well received. So they hired her. Apparently her pitch was really good and wowed the executives of WB. So they hired her. So she's going to direct it and it's going to star Margot Robbie. The Birds of Prey has Batgirl in it, has um, Black Canary and Huntress. It's really like a heroin ad- Avengers yeah, type thing. Exactly. And um, the reasoning is, um, one, at the end of Suicide Squad, the Joker and Harley Quinn escape. So you can't really have a Suicide Squad 2 without showing them getting captured again. And two, what they really want to do is they really liked what they did with Wonder Woman, how they showed her off in BVS and then got fans excited and then gave her her own solo. So Batgirl is going to make an appearance in this film, and then apparently she's going to get her own solo, which is again going to be written by Christina Hodson. 
Yeah, because that was originally going to be done by Joss Whedon. Correct? That's right. Yeah, so Joss Whedon originally had written it, but he said he couldn't quite crack the code mm-hmm. on Batgirl, which is disappointing because I love Joss Whedon. Um, I think his Avengers movies are great, and Justice League, a lot of people don't love what he did, but I appreciate it because he was under some terrible constraints. Yes. Yeah, I mean, if they had given him Justice League at the very beginning, I think he would have given us a better film, but apparently they changed their mind. Who knows? But uh, so that's what it's going to be. But Suicide Squad 2 apparently is still happening. Um, They're just pushing it back. So that's a little bit disappointing because I really love... Suicide Squad 1, and they're bringing in director Gavin O'Connor, who did The Accountant, which was a really good movie, to direct Suicide Squad 2, so that's going to be pushed back, but Birds of Prey, I'm excited for it. Um, as I said, give me whatever you can. This looks really cool, and if done right, this could be a big hit. Yeah, you know, again, cautious optimistic yeah. on this thing, but I do like the idea of a heroin ensemble film. Yeah, it's never been done before. Exactly, so we're paving new grounds here. And you take some of the ideas from Patty Jenkins, what they did in Wonder Woman, what potentially going to be doing in Captain Marvel. I think there's a lot of space for a film like this to move around and do new and really good things mm-hmm. for the genre itself. So I'm excited from that perspective on what it could be. The story, I'm not familiar with anything with regards to Bird of Prey. I think it's a bit of an obscure title. So maybe they have to change that to something that... Batgirl is, and her bat friends. Well, something that's a bit more... Maybe even on the nose. Yeah. Like Birds of Prey, like I know there's that TV show or whatever at some point, but it to me it doesn't doesn't sing Batgirl team up with yeah. Harley Quinn and whoever else, right? So from that aspect I think that they can do more and but again I never thought they'd keep the Suicide Squad name. Yeah, that's true. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> but marketing and how you present these things. But anyways, yeah, I'm excited for this. Yeah, no, it's it's good news. Um and it's you know it's really cool that it's being written and directed by women and it's starring female leads. Yeah. So that's really cool. Um, hats off to WB and doing that because it's never been done before. So that's that's huge. Yeah. Now, uh, now you had another piece of. Uh... I did, but I'm keeping this one under wraps until I tell you on air. Okay. So Ready Player One, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time. It was it was a great movie. I've yet to see it. Uh, you you got to see it, and you even have it in the box office run, and you're not even helping yourself out. This is true. <laughs> Director Steven Spielberg, he said, you know, I had such a fun time with Warner Brothers. I will make a DC film with you. Wow. So Steven Spielberg is coming on board. Um, so, you know, that's, that's big news. It's huge news. It's one of the biggest records of all time. Uh, if not the biggest. This is true. Um, so he said that he really had one character in DC Comics that he really wanted to make. And in the 80s, he was like, I wanted to make this with Dan Aykroyd, but it fell through. So, any any guesses? Dan Arcade's kind of a weird one, but <laughs> I'm going to guess. You'll never guess it. I was going to say Green Lantern. No, no. Uh, I, I could give you a thousand guesses and no. you wouldn't come close. Blackhawks. Blackhawks? Blackhawks, yeah. So, Steven Spielberg is going to direct and produce um, with his longtime collaborator. I can't remember the guy's name, but he wrote Jurassic Park, all his big hits. Yeah, I know. I can't. Uh, but he's coming on board to write Blackhawks. So you can say Blackhawks. Who the hell is Blackhawks? Not the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay. So Blackhawks is a team from World War II. They're fighter pilots from around the world. And each one has different code names. And they, their base is like a mystical island that they like they're f- that they fly off of. Themyscira? That'd be cool. I don't know. I think it's something else with like a lot of uh, different like magic involved. Okay. So it's 
very obscure. You know, talking about obscure birds of prey is like at least people kind of know Blackhawks. I could ask a hundred people tomorrow on the streets, and maybe one person would know. So this is a very obscure character. I you know when I heard the new Steven Spielberg coming to DC, I was like, oh, Superman! Like that is that would be huge, and that would be obvious. But nope, he chose Blackhawks. Well, there you go. And we don't know if this is connected to the DCEU. There were some rumors that um, Wonder Woman, um, you know, some of the characters that were helping her were part of the Blackhawks team. Okay. Um, but I don't know if they're going to continue that or if it'll just be like a standalone film. A little obscure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steven Spielberg, though, doing a period piece. You say it was World War Two, right? It was World War Two, but maybe they'll change it. Who knows? Well, I, I love the idea of Spielberg doing period pieces. He's Absolutely. fantastic at that. He can capture the aesthetic of the time really well. Mm-hmm. You know, you go back... It's not a movie you would compare to this, really, but you've got Saving Private Ryan and Schindler's List. So That's he's right. done. He spent some time in that frame in the past. So he has the ability to to put together a good period piece. And what I see them doing, like these guys, are they super powered or is it what's the what's kind of the comic book? Is it, <laughs> it feels like a um, uh, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos type thing. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any superpowers involved. I may be mistaken on this, so I think they're kind of just regular well not regular because they're amazing but like fighter pilots yeah i could see that like it's it's one of those kind of comic books that maybe you adapt in a certain way but it's it's comic book adjacent it, it's derived from a comic book or adapted from a comic book but it's not really a comic book-esque film in the in the same way as we're talking when we talk about justice league and avengers Black mm-hmm. Panther and all that so yeah sure i, I no, <laughs> it's steven spielberg adapting a comic book i'm in yeah, absolutely. Anything Spielberg does, I'm in it from now on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. That, that puts a little wrap to our, our new segment this week. Very short. There's not a lot yeah. coming out with regards to Solo. We talked about the trailer last week. We've decided to stay away from any discussion on the TV spots because we've always felt they give too much away. Yeah. You know, we've been intrigued enough by the trailers that we don't really want to discuss or go any deeper into that discussion because, you know, we're going to start to you know, walk that fine line on, on spoiling the film. So we don't want to do that. And Avengers of any war comes out in a couple of weeks. So the MCU is full bore concentrating on that film. And that's what we're going to talk about our top MCU moments from the last 10 years. Now we're each going to have a list of 10 here and I'm going to say, let's try to put them in relative order. Okay. Uh, yeah. I put mine in order. Okay. Cool. 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 And next week, as I mentioned at the top, we're going to get into a bit more depth about infinity war, but we thought it'd be fun this week as we build into it to actually do this countdown list. Now, maybe we'll get Troy to submit something over Twitter over the next little while, but we'd also love to hear from you guys. What are your top 10 or your top MCU moments from the first 10 years of Marvel Studios and the MCU. So that being said, it's time to get into our list. Now, Sanjay, let's go to you first. Okay. Number, number 10. 10. Number 10? Yeah. So, this isn't didn't technically take place in the movie, but after the movie. Okay. Well, all post-credit scenes are counted as part of being part of a moment. Okay, okay, scene. okay. So, you know, you got Nick Fury yes. comes back and he asks Iron Man to the Avengers initiative. There you go. Do you remember that? Like in the theater, just sitting back, just being like, what? Like the Avengers in- initiative? Like, this is crazy. This is never going to happen. And Samuel Jackson's Nick Fury. That's perfect casting. It was brilliant. That moment broke 
all kinds of internets at the time. Yes, it did. It was an incredible moment. And I do have that on my list, but it's quite a ways up. Okay, the okay. List for me, it doesn't really quite rank that low because for me, it, it was kind of the, the catalyst that started all of this. It, it really opened our eyes to the fact that we are part of a bigger universe. That's right. Okay, so let's see. Your numero uh, des- decima? <laughs> yes, that's how we speak. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to say 10 in Spanish, but I went to one Spanish class and then stopped. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number 10 moment is the Avengers Age of Ultron. Ultron fight right at the end when we do the circular big pivot around the crew got an ultron bots flying in you've got scarlet witch and quicksilver fighting shoulder to shoulder with the avengers the only time we get those two fighting with the avengers in a single scene i love how it's put together it's very reminiscent of the avengers assemble moment mm-hmm. from avengers one but it is part of a slightly different movie but i really like that i think it's a great scene it's awesome to see all the avengers together and i'm hoping we get a similar scene like that in infinity war yeah i had that at number 10 but then i just placed it off with nick fury's um the thing that is when we were making this list i went through it and i was like you know what age of ultron is one of the movies that i kind of rag on but there's like four or five amazing scenes that could have been in this i mean in terms of like the highs of the high it has some of the best scenes where then i went like a movie like winter soldier where i like it a lot more there weren't as many scenes that stood out for me in that movie. It was just like a solid movie from start to finish. Yeah. There were no peaks and valleys, but yeah, Age of Ultron. Like, you, I don't know if you have this, but like the Hulkbuster versus the Hulk, you have um, them trying to lift the hammer, like all that stuff. It's yeah. so many good scenes. There's a lot of really good scenes. In yeah, there. I can't wait to rewatch that. But that's uh, the one that kind of lands on my list. I, I love that scene. Yeah. I have a scene from that movie, but it's not that one. But that one almost made it in. All right. All right. So I got number nine. So you got Spider-Man Homecoming, a newer film where he's trapped in the rebel in the rubble oh. and he can't get out, you know, and he's calling for help. It's heartbreaking. And then he finally gets out. I love that scene. That scene is like the emotional gut punch of that movie. And it's probably one of the most emotional scenes in the entire MCU for me. That's that's up there. Uh, that's number nine for me. That's a good one. That did not make my list, but now I'm rethinking really my list with that because that is a great moment. That's a toss back to the comic books as well. Absolutely. You know that would have been on Troy's list. That probably would have been number one. This would have been just 10 things from Homecoming <laughs> for Troy. <laughs> All right. My number nine is Captain America's transformation in Captain America, the first Avenger. Nice. I love that scene. You're going from a skinny Steve to the big, huge Chris Evans but the fact that that's, that's the moment in time when he becomes Captain America. You've got Howard Stark, Peggy Carter there. I love the aesthetic of that scene as well, going back into the 40s. Mm-hmm. So that's why it lands at number nine. And Captain America, he's my dude. So that's why I love it. Nice. That one did not make my list, but that is my favorite scene of that movie. Yeah. What about your number eight? All right, number eight. Well, I'm surprised this is so low, but... Uh... I'm going to actually switch that. I was just looking at this, and I'm like, no, that that does that deserves to be higher. Um, I'm going to switch it up. So number eight, we're going back to Age of Ultron. Vision lifts Thor's hammer. Nice. You know, that scene that caught everyone by guard, and everyone's like, oh, like, you know, you could trust Vision. He's worthy to list, lift Thor's hammer. Just as easily could have been when they're all around the party scene where they're trying to lift the hammer, and only Cap nudges it. But yeah, so that's uh, that's number eight for me. As you said, Age of Ultron, full of great scenes. Yeah, full of great standalone scenes. Yeah, I'm going to be interested when we go back to revisit with the retrospective series 
because there is a lot of good scenes in there now that we're thinking back on it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, my number eight is I Am Iron Man from the end of Iron Man number one when Tony admits to the world that no, Iron Man is not a bodyguard for him. He is, in fact, Iron Man. So exposing himself, but also stating and putting a stake in the ground that he is, in fact, the first superhero. Now, that's going to be retconned with Captain Marvel, Marvel and all that. But that, again, was a very pivotal moment in the universe with Tony Stark stating outright that he is Iron Man. Love that. I love it, too. Now, you might see it on my list. There you go. Maybe. Spoiler alert. All right, number seven for you, Sanjay. All right, number seven, I have the highway fight scene in Captain America Winter Soldier nice. with Cap and Bucky, or the Winter Soldier. Yes. I love that scene. We just watched that in the um, retrospective series. Yep. That's my favorite scene of one of my favorite movies. There you go. All right, so what are we on, number seven? Uh, seven. Yep, seven. So my number seven is Killmonger's death scene. Oh, so good. In Black Panther, particularly the discussion that him and T'Challa have when they're up on the hill there and he references, you know, just throw me in the ocean because I can be a free man. I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. But I absolutely love that scene. I love what they did with the character of Killmonger. It was appropriate death. You got the sunset there. kind of dies right alongside T'Challa. Brilliant. Brilliant stuff there. That's why that makes my list. Best villain in the MCU? Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. Very close to the top. Yeah. Uh, what are we on, number six? Number six. Number six. Almost halfway there. Okay, I'm going to go, I can't believe this is number six, but it just speaks to how many great scenes we've had in the MCU. I'm going to go with the airport fighting scene in Civil War. Whoa, yes. Yeah, number six. I mean, this is like a splash page come to life. When you have both sides of the teams coming together in the backdrop at the airport, I love that. And I love that it was at airport. That was kind of a cool with the different planes and the empty airport of them fighting. And there's so many great interactions between the characters in there. I love this. I have, oh man, this is, it's crazy. This is number six, but this is such a great scene. Number six. My number six is We Are Groot. Okay, yeah, Guardians. Guardians Volume 1. The moment when we have Groot making that ultimate sacrifice and you get that cohesive team. It's, it's a very emotional moment. My wife cried during it. And it's a big, big moment in the MCU. And there's a scene before that too that I really like where... He lifts his hand and the kind of the what did the spores come out that light up? Oh yeah, and yeah. And you've got them in the music in the background. The score hits, hits really hard there, and you've got them all looking up in amazement. And you're starting to see the guardians through Groot's eye. It's it's really well crafted, really well done. It it takes a primarily comedic action film and puts a very emotional moment at the right point. And that really has always captured me. So number six for me is We Are Groot. You know, surprisingly, there's no Guardians moments. For me, even though I love both those films, mm-hmm. fortunately none of them made it. But that—that's probably my favorite Guardians moment as well. Yeah, it's a really good one. Yeah, that or um, when Peter Quill's like, "We can finally give a shit" or something. Yeah, that looks <laughs> <laughs> the Jackson Pollock stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I feel like, um, what's his name, Drax or uh, Batista? Yeah, Drax. David he, Batista. Yeah, he should have actually crapped. Because, you know, he took everything literally. So, like, that was the perfect time for him to try to take a literal crap to give a shit. They missed opportunity. If, if they did that, that would have been number one. <laughs> on the list. Speaking about that, we were halfway up the list. Sanjay, All what right. is your number five? All right. I'm Iron Man. There you go. Tony Stark, Iron Man. You had that a little bit lower down on your list. That's from the beginning of Iron or the end of Iron Man. As we said, Iron Man started it all. 
the movie wasn't as good, we wouldn't be here where we are now. So no, I am Iron true. Man. All right, my number five, you've mentioned this already, is the Winter Soldier fight scenes. Now, I'm cheating here. I know we're talking about <laughs> moments, but I couldn't decide between the elevator scene, the boat scene, and the highway scene. If you made me pick gun to head, I would probably say the highway scene, as yeah. you did. So that's what it's going to be. But that elevator and boat scene, uh, both epic. Or the helicopter where he like takes down the on the motorcycle oh yeah oh so many good fight scenes so many good that and you can go back like sanjay said and here a retrospective episode on that we just post that a few weeks ago just go back a few episodes in the feed you're listening to right now and then also go over the neuroom.net click marvel mcu retrospective and you can see all the other movies that we have reviewed quick plug halfway through this list <laughs> all right sanjay we're on the home stretch here number four for your top 10 moments in the mcu all right, I got Thor versus the Hulk and Thor Ragnarok. I love that whole f- scene. It's kind of like Planet Hulk and Thor. You know, he's like, ah, yes, he's a friend from work. I love that. The humor worked. The fighting was amazing. You got to see Thor light up with the God of Thunder and the lightning and stuff. Love that scene. So that's number four for me. Nice. And now we're starting to get a little repetitive as we get towards the top of our list. I think we're going to probably have a few more overlaps. But the Civil War airport scene takes number four for me. I absolutely love that scene. I just rewatched it this past weekend. Just fast forwarded straight to that. Have it on <laughs> the background because it's so good. It's comic book panels coming to life on film. Mm-hmm. It is that realization of Civil War, the closest that we're ever going to get to adapting page for page that comic book. So that's why that lies at number four. Nice. Yeah. Good choice. All right, man. Top three here. This is where it gets exciting. What is your third most favorite moment in the MCU? All right. This is from the most recent film, Black Panther. We have Kachala, and he's being challenged on the throne by um, M'Baku. 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 And uh, he has him, and he could kill him, but he says, no, you know, he, he's saying, kill me, kill me. And Kachala's saying, no, I'm not going to kill you. Your people still need you. It's such a poignant movement or moment, and it really showed like the true character of Kachala. Showed that he was a leader, that he wasn't gonna just take life, you know, needlessly. So I really appreciate that scene. That was my favorite scene in the movie. It's kind of an obscure scene, but to me, it really spoke to me. So that's my number three. Number three. All right, another repeat here for me. It's a Sam Jackson. You're part of a bigger universe. Oh, okay, yeah, you had that way up in number three. Eh? Yeah, I think it's a pivotal moment in the MCU and. It was that realization point for me. Yes, we are part of a bigger universe. I absolutely love that scene. It's very short. It's at the end of a film, a really good film, but it is quite meaningful for myself and this universe. Nice. All right, do you think, just before we read them, do you think we have the same top two? I imagine so, yeah. yeah. I All think right. so. I, I think we have number the same one scene in particular. I'm going to say yeah. Okay, what is your number two? Ant-Man's training. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my number two is Iron Man versus Captain America in Civil War. Ooh. So you have the fight at the end, and then when the when Iron Man's shooting his blaster at Captain America's shield, and it goes up, and it looks is directly taken yeah. from the comic book. Issue eight. We talked about this last yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs> That's number two for me. What about you? You know, I'm a little sad that that did not make my list. Wow. But number two for me is Avengers Assemble. Okay. It is that moment in Avengers number one when the camera pans around the crew and you got Iron Man landing, Hulk yelling, and it's the first time we're seeing the Avengers actually assemble. That, to me, other than this next one we're going to talk about, is one of the most pivotal and one of my most favorite 
scenes from the Avengers. Wow. So from I'm the MCU. I'm curious to see what your number one is because that's my number one. Okay. I love that scene. You know, as you said, it's really the first time they came together as a team. And just that fight team scene of them kicking ass and taking out all the um, Loki alien cannon fodder, as you will. Chitari. Chitari, that's the word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I I love that scene. I love that movie. So that's number one for me. All right. Well, I questioned when we did the retrospective episode for Avengers number one. I questioned if this was the best scene in the MCU in that episode. And I'm talking about the post-credit scene with Thanos. Oh, okay, yes. The turn, the smile, the reference to death, and really kicking off this much broader Infinity Stone arc that we have been following with great attention for the last almost, I'd say, what, five years? Six years? Yeah. And... I love that they threw Thanos in there. I love that it was a small tease. It was a smile. It was that big smile you get from Thanos. And that changed the game for me. I knew Thanos was at that point in time, but that made him the character I wanted to see in the films. And out of that, he spun into being my favorite villain. Yeah, I mean, Thanos is just the look of Thanos. They really nailed the look of Thanos. And he's just so menacing. And to have him sit on that throne... And just to turn around, you never thought, like, wow, we're getting Thanos in yes. a movie. Yeah, that's an incredible scene. Now, there's a lot we missed out on there. There, mm-hmm. Like, I didn't have the Hulk versus Thor. I had it on my list. I had that Cap Iron Man scene in yep. Civil War. There, there's a whole ton you can think of oh, here. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Thor being worthy in Thor 1. That's right, yeah. it's You could go on and on about this. But I think what I really like about this is... Yeah, there are still a lot of commonalities between favorite moments in the MCU, but they're all over the place. So that's what I like about film watching is it's a very personal experience, what you take away from it. Yeah, in general, we were pretty close on a lot of these things, and the big, really good moments stick out. But there's some really cool ones in there that we each had that the other one didn't. Particularly, I like your pull from Black Panther. Oh, thanks. That's a great scene. Yeah, I love that scene. And I mean, as you mentioned, film is personal. And the thing with the MCU that's awesome, as you said, is every movie pretty much had been represented in this, you know? So it's crazy that uh, we were able to go through and we have 20 different ones, but maybe like 16 of them were the same. I, I can't even remember. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's been a it's been a hell of a ride. I've really enjoyed the MCU and it's been 10 years and thankfully it's not ending. Yeah. I mean, this is not an end. This is just another stepping stone. New beginning almost. Yeah. I mean, a new stepping infinity stone. There you go. (laughs) Worked it in. (laughs) All right. Well, that that more or less wraps it up for this week, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in. And like we said, we'd love to hear from you. What are some of your favorite moments from the MCU? Make sure to tag us on Twitter. Our handles are at the end of the episode. You can also email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on thenerdroom.net. Just click contacts and that will send us an email directly. And you can always hit us up on Facebook or YouTube. Now coming at you guys next week, all three of us will finally be back at the table for the first time in about a month, it seems. Wow, we should do something to mark the occasion. We, yeah, we are. We're going to do a prelude to Infinity War episode. Oh, uh, is that like that new art house film that's yeah, coming it's, out? it's going to come out. I think it's going to do pretty good. There's even rumors that it's going to top The Force Awakens' largest domestic opening of all time. Oh, my. It is now looking like it's going to pull in $255 million in its opening weekend based off of recent tracking. So we're going to get into all of that discussion 
next week. Next week, we're going to be seeing Avengers Infinity War, and the episode we drop on Thursday is going to be the prelude, as I've mentioned. We're going to talk box office prediction, comic book arcs, everything we think we're going to see in this film. And again, going back to the speculating board and trying to, you know, maybe put down a prediction or two as to what exactly we're going to see in this film, because I think no matter what we say, it's going to be wrong. Yeah. (laughs) So it's fun to speculate. So make sure you guys tune back in for that. And then following up that weekend, we're going to be reviewing Avengers Infinity War. We've been discussing this whole series for the last 18 months as we've built into this. Now we're going to try to get our Age of Ultron retrospective episode out before that. I can't promise that. And then we're going to do our (laughs) Ant-Man as we build into Ant-Man and the Wasp. And that will more or less wrap us up. So... Until next week, when hopefully all three of us will be back at the table discussing Avengers Infinity War for the Nerd Room. I'm Tim. And I'm Sanjay. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.